Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's go behind the mask. Welcome back to another edition of the Behind the Mask podcast. I am your host, Akio Spikes. And somewhere floating around, man, I got to bring my co-host in. Where is that big plus-size model at? Where he at? The 300-pound ninja. In the building. Your boy Two-Tone Ray is in here live and direct. Man, I know you. Dude, you know what? You always, listen, you're a prime candidate always saying keep that same energy. KTSE. KTSE, baby. Let me see you do the whole show with the mask on then. I don't know. Can you hear me? And I know them Ellie. Yeah, I can hear you. We all, we all can hear you. Nah, I think I think my, my gracious face needs to be on the tube. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> playoffs? Playoffs? Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Listen. After I saw the NBA game last night and I saw the late show, man, I know where I'm putting my money at. So take full advantage of sports being back and get into action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always an online casino as well. It never closes. Trust me. I know. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Listen, man, we had a great week of sport. Yeah. A great weekend. Some some not a lot of storylines, but the ones that we finally did receive. Deep, deep, man. Yeah, so man. I think we need to start off in that NBA, my brother. Let's go with Luka Doncic. Him going up against Montrez Harold. And listen, man, this started back in game one. A lot of people really not acknowledging that. But now you see what happened at the end of game four, where at the beginning of game four, he came and apologized because the cameras caught him after he bodied Luka down low and he was backing off to go on the play on the other end. He ended up backing up saying, bitch-ass white boy. And so the media caught word of it. Everybody caught word of it. Now you got everybody jumping in, having something to say. And the thing about it that, you know, what's really surprising, though, too, is, you know, you hear a lot of players saying, you know what? I don't really look at that as a racist comment. Then you got some people who say, nah, they don't look at it as a racist comment just because it's in the heat of the moment. And then you got some people who are saying, oh, now that's a double standard. And so the thing that I would like to acknowledge before we even go deeper into it, I was happy to see Montrez Harrell at the beginning of game four, he walks up to Luca and he apologized. He also put it out on his tweet. And he said, if you gonna get the story, get it right. All I ask, no one spoke with me to do anything. I approached him and I cleared the air from the outside nonsense that was being said. But respect for Luca, he understood the heat of the battle, and it didn't even it didn't even bother him. Respect. And so, you know, when you I was proud to see that part because yeah. you know you're wrong. 
as a man, it takes a lot for us to admit it, whatever, but he was wrong. He admitted it. But really wanted to get your take on it, though, because, you know, like I said, some people look at it in one way, some people look at it the other. How do you look at it, too? Man, I think it's much to do about nothing, to be honest with you, Spice. Like, like you said, in the heat of the battle, we say things that we often don't mean. I don't think Montrez Harrell meant anything to Luka Doncic in any kind of malicious or racial intent with it. He just, like you said, he was getting bodied by Luka. Luka been killing that whole series uh, against the Clippers. And then Luka actually checked Montrez Harrell before because Montrez flopped on a play, and Luka told him to stop flopping. So that's why Montrez Harrell got mad. He got heated. Then he finally scored on Luka and had something to say. He called him, you know, called him out of his name. I think it's much to do about nine. It's all in the heat of the battle. Was he wrong? Absolutely. But he didn't, to your point, he apologized. So it's over with. So I don't really think everybody getting up in arms and trying to make it more than what it is is really necessary. Was he wrong? Absolutely. But, I mean, we talk, man, we talk cash shit all the time when we play, particularly when you heat it or when you're trying to boost yourself up because you're getting your ass whooped like Montrez Harrell was. Two, I, I hear what you're saying. And in the heat of the battle, there have been a lot of, exchange words phrases that maybe you really didn't mean for most part i think when people get mad they really say what what they've been thinking a lot of the time but when i look at this situation montreal he was wrong trez he was wrong man and the reason why i say i said he was wrong is just because you know you have to immediately you know, we I think as a as a as a culture, not just as black people, but for the majority of people, most people you would like to think have empathy. And you want people to understand and feel how you could possibly feel, not wishing that you were you, but you want them to have empathy, have be empathetic to it. And so when we look at this situation, and I look at Montrez, he said what he said. I got a, I really got a problem with it, too. I got a problem with it because, number one, let's put the shoe on the other foot. If Luca said that to him, mm. black-ass boy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what if he say that to him? Or even if you had somebody was to say that to you, you know what I mean? So, so like, so I, I don't, I disagree with that. I totally think he was wrong, should be fine at the most, you know what I mean? Nothing further right. than that. Yeah, I, I, I think if, if you look at the history of what they've done for guys who were caught curse, cursing on TV. I think but the whole thing is, one is in a bubble. There's no fans. So you're going to yeah. hear everything on the court anyway, right? I said, yeah. And two, I don't think it was in a malicious or racial intent. You know what I'm saying? So I don't either. And, and, and not I only that, but then they basketball cast. So like I said, Montrez was getting killed by the whole uh, Clippers were getting killed by, by Luca the whole series. So you're going to come out your face and say something slick. If it was flipped on the other foot, I probably would have ran up on Luca. I would have ran up on him. And, 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 oh, you know, look at that. It's not hypocrisy. Because if, if, if you're coming at me and you know is in with a racial intent, it happened to me before in college. Yo, I'm going to run up and check this dude okay, and yo, make a minute. Nah, I think we was playing Arkansas. I was at Ole Miss. We were playing Arkansas and we got our ass beat. We was getting like destroyed my junior year. And towards the end of the game, dude is talking cash shit. First, he told me, he's like, man, do you even lift weights? Are you even in the weight room? So he, he's shitting on me the whole game. And then after the game, this white dude said, yeah, man, get out of the N-word. You know what I'm saying? And I really, th- my reaction just now was saying it was the same reaction I had 
back in 94, 95, whenever it was, when I was playing, 96. So I actually ran after the dude. But then my other teammates grabbed me, was like, nah, two, we not fighting. I'm like, nah, he called me out my name. Never had a white person call me out my name. So in that context, when it was racial, malicious intent, I get it. I didn't see that when they were playing. Like, my trust, NBA players ain't going to fight no way. They wasn't going to fight. He wasn't coming at him trying to no, you know, they, demean him. He was they, getting his ass with the whole game. But they like, ain't going to fight. We all know that. But put it this way. Just looking at the history of it, especially no black man to this day, we don't like no white man calling us boy. N-word, right. Boy, N-word, anything. That's that's a cut below the N-word. Right. And so we don't like that. And so when you look at going back history throughout the time, slave owner, the slaves, it was always boy. And you were always addressed as boy. And so when I say when I hear that and you put the shoe on the other foot and now somebody's white calling another person black boy, and I'm including myself. Like, man, we ain't got nothing to talk about. But you gonna check them in a moment, right? Yeah, like I'm, I'm coming after your throat. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? So that's why I say it's the hypocrisy of it that I didn't, that I felt like a lot of people, like as much as we know it ain't nothing, as basketballers, I didn't like the hypocrisy of it, and I felt like he was wrong for that part. He, he was definitely wrong, but again, I don't think it was in malicious intent. I told another story. We were playing. Um, I was with the, with the Bucks, moved over to the Panthers. At the Panthers, uh, the Bucks just won a Super Bowl with the Panthers. Now we had a backup full back white kid, undrafted free agent. He's in there blocking, playing his behind off, and he goes against the safety. I think it's Dwight Smith who was a safety with the Bucks at the time. Yeah. And the kid is blocking after the whistle. So Dwight is mad, calls him out his name. He's like, yeah, white boy, yo, what you doing? Da, da, da. And, you know, Dwight's a veteran. The kid is looking at me, walks by me, and walks back to the huddle. So Dwight's like, white boy, you hear me talking to you? I'm going to see you when I see you in the streets. It's on. I looked at Dwight, former teammate. I looked at him. I was like, I said, Smitty, man, shut that up, yo. I said, you ain't even going to see this dude in the streets. He don't be in the streets. So his whole team started laughing. The Panthers started laughing because he was trying to come out and say something, not in a racial manner, but in a manner to actually intimidate the kid. You know what I'm uh, saying? So yeah. I and I get and, and you do things again similar to what Dwight did with Montrez did. Once Montrez was getting body, you're gonna do things and, and it, it don't make it right. But I think we're overhyping it in terms of what the context of it was. Uh I no, I agree. I agree with that. And since we both can agree on that end point, let's take these talents up to Baltimore. We gotta talk about Earl, man. Oh, not mm. big play Earl Thomas. You know, that's the last thing I think a lot of people will have noticed to see that he was released from the Baltimore Ravens. And the, the thing about it is this. You know, we got to remind people, he signed a four-year deal worth $55 million, uh, earned $22 million the first year while he was there in Baltimore, and also really was supposed to be guaranteed $10 million for this year and this year alone only. And so pretty much he got paid yeah, he a got lot paid. all up front too, bro. And so um, the disappointing thing is he got into it with another teammate. And this time it was with a safety, the safety Chuck Clark. And um, I guess this really was the straw that really broke the camel's back. Yeah. And, you, and, and the reason why I say this because, you know, it's been a series of events that we'll definitely get to that he's done and 
um, even going all the way back, you know what? We'll just go to that. Going all the way back to his Seattle days. And uh, he wanted a new contract. It didn't happen. Ended up got injured during the game. And while they were taking him out on the cart, um, I want to say his leg was broken. He immediately throws up the middle finger. And when he throws up the middle finger, it was just like, man, I have never seen no shit like that. Not at his own team. I had to rewind it several times. And so, but just that, you know, it's like, okay, all right. Maybe things didn't end well for a lot of guys in Seattle. You know, the Legion of Boom, the secondary. Mm -hmm. Goes over to Baltimore, signs this deal, which I just talked about. And in the end, why he's kicked out, this is the second time that this happened. And the first time it actually happened against the nose guard, Brandon Williams, last year after a game when he, uh, playing against Cleveland. So I don't know. I, I, I just – you have to wonder, is the motivation there? Like, yeah. not necessarily motivate to play, or maybe the lack of when you're not really afraid of anything. You understand what happened this past summer earlier between him and his wife, very unfortunate. He said he wanted to leave that you know, between their family business. But um, do you think what was, do you think them releasing him from Baltimore, was it the right move? I think for Baltimore, uh, it, it was the right move. But the, the, the one thing that the pattern that I'm seeing with Earl Thomas is he doesn't care about burning bridges. You know what I mean? So one thing that, that, that we were always taught uh, when we played was that if you are released for a team, essentially you're fired, if you're cut, don't burn a bridge because that coach may go somewhere else later on in your career. Uh, you may get signed back if, if an injury occurs, or something like that. Never burn a bridge because you never know if you're going to want to be employed by uh, an executive, anybody on that previous team, right? But clearly, Earl is a kid, so it, it it makes me wonder. The most powerful thing that an athlete can have is when they're not motivated by money. He talked about the money mm. that that he had. Uh, that he earned the, the the ten million supposed to be guaranteed, but clearly there's something kind of detrimental can void a guarantee, which I don't even believe in. If it's guaranteed, it's one thing that means what it is. But how are you gonna avoid a guaranteed contact contract? But in any event, if you're not motivated by money, how do you motivate somebody? If you're not swayed by it, I mean, is it rings? He already got a ring, right? Yep. Is it is it with the Seahawks? Is it uh? It ain't money. He got plenty of money, you know, killed with his contracts and everything. So he's got some stuff going on off the field. One thing about the Ravens also, though, they had to, to move on from him because you have the reigning MVP of the league, Lamar Jackson. Yep. You feel like you have an opportunity to go back to the Super Bowl or go back deep in the playoffs and hopefully make a Super Bowl uh, run. The Ravens are going to distance themselves from any kind of outside chatter. And even if it's a vet like Earl Thomas, and not to mention the ec- economics of it, they're trying to recoup some of that bread too, so you know. Yeah, after the fact, and I, yeah. I didn't think he was a liability to where they would quickly just decide on like we about to cut it. But yeah. this is the thing was bothering, not was bothering me, but just to give some inside access on this because when you look at when you look at the fact that okay, uh, Andy Reid. Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, he coached up under Andy Reid. I played for Andy Reid for one year. And John Harbaugh is a, he has a malicious mindset. It's very like, look, we don't do things. If I tell you to step behind the line, you stay behind the line. 
And he does a lot of the same things that Andy Reid does as far as putting together a team council of players who have the post of the team and they're the voice. And so what was disturbing was this leadership council reports have this leadership council saying that they think it's time to move on. At first I was, I questioned, I was like, like who, what place is it for another player to say that, yeah. but this is the leadership council of the team who is the voice. And he hasn't even been there for two years. And so for me, when I see that it's a disconnect, not only between him and a few players, but I have to read more into this because if you fighting with your other starting safety, how many times do you see two guys in the same position trying to fight and take their heads off? And so, you know, when I see all of this, bro, that's the reason why it became conduct detrimental. Conduct detrimental is not something to your point to where you do something. It's like, all right, I'm trying to teach you a lesson. Now, you do conduct detrimental if you're not out that first time, which we see Earl is out. But then they really set you up to get you up out of there. And they document everything that you do, whether or not it was reports about him being late. Going back last year after the bye week, uh, sometimes late for meetings. And so when you see all of this happening, it's disappointing. But now you see why it got to this point as far as cutting the ties. Yeah, it did. And, and, and the hardest part to, to, to really think about, though, Earl Thomas has been in the league several years, man. You don't expect this kind of behavior from a veteran. You know what I mean? So that it, it kind of makes you wonder what's going on or, or what's making him move in the way he's moving. And that, that would be a dope, you know, interview to get go behind the mask just to see what's up because you typically don't hear this from veterans. You know what I'm saying? Veterans typically that have went to the Super Bowl that knows about winning, that know about the winning culture. A leader, someone that's supposed to be a leader in a locker room. Um, you really don't hear that. I'm wondering what else is there? Like, it has to be a story to it. He hasn't said anything. You know what I mean? He went on the social media and, and thanked the city of Baltimore, thanked the Ravens organization and everybody. He didn't burn the bridge like he did in Seattle. You know what I mean? So I wonder, has he learned his lesson from in terms of how he parts the team? Or is that just a safe way of, of getting out, you know, unscathed, landing on a soft pillow, so to speak? So inquiring minds want to yeah, know, yeah, I definitely where's the next stop? Where's yeah. the next Where's the next stopping place for her? Yeah, he wanted to go to the, to the Cowboys before he went to Baltimore. He said that. And uh, reports is coming out that, you know, the Cowboys will have some interest. So it remains to be seen. But, you know, when you have a, a veteran presence like that, to your point, things are documented, right? That language is written in the contract so the team can save themselves in the event something like this happens. He showed it in Seattle. He showed yep. it again in Baltimore. And now you have literally a laundry list of incidents that are on your name. So they're going to put those types of clauses in the contract so they can save themselves some money. It sucks for him. You know what I mean? Um, any player, I always want to see them land on their feet just as a man. Hopefully he can do his thing and get back on, but it might be the Cowboys, man. I don't know. They, uh, I had reports today. The Chargers reached out, so they're interested. Quick. Quick. And so, you know, he's a hell of a player. We always wish all the guys would be able to, listen, man, make as much it, money as you can. Like one the, of my coaches used to tell me, it ain't my damn money, so you go get it. Spikes, is the risk worth the reward? Mm. That's what I want to know. You tell me, is the risk worth the, the reward? No, that's factual. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like if he goes to another team, do you think if you were a GM, if you were a head coach, if you were a team president, Tequil Spice, you know how good Earl Thomas is on the football field. Would you sign this man after everything that he's been through? 
uh, I would strongly consider it. But uh, you do have to look at his past track record. Look at how he ended with Seattle. Look at how he's ending now. But it was only he wasn't even there two years. And so I think if I'm a Dallas Cowboys, um, Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones, if I'm one of them guys, of course I'm going to look because that's going to get my fan base even that much more excited. This guy wants to be here. So it's going to cut out some of the probably some of the theatrics that he's done in the other two places. But you got to look at the sign and say, you know what, it's going to have a buyer beware on it just because of the recent track history. And you got to take that into account. But I, I think the Cowboys are going to bring him in, man. Like I truly do. And it just, we don't know what triggers are going to happen when, from the contractual side. It can be to where one team probably is absorbing the cost while Dallas is pretty much just getting him for a discount. Just, you know what I mean? So it just all depends. Yeah, it'll be, I think Baltimore has a cap hit on it too. They got to pay some of that. They have to, uh, some of that money counts towards the co- uh, salary cap this year and next year anyway. So they strap. Is dead money, but Earl Thomas still a great player, or a good player, I should say, above average, definitely. Hopefully, oh, yeah. it works out. Oh yeah, no doubt, bro. And um, um, you know, we 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 still in a heightened sensitivity of the COVID nineteen, and while we still in this good old NFL, bro, imagine you the head coach of a football team, and you get a call at three in the morning, and they telling you, your head health person telling you, hey, coach. We got nine, nine guys have tested positive for COVID. And so now we got to do the backtracing and start pulling guys because we don't want the whole team contaminated. That's crazy. Man. What like, would you do? <laughs> bro? That happened to Matt Nagy. Yo, that is crazy. It, 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 what he had to do was actually cancel practice because you don't know what's going on. You don't know if guys are coming into the locker room and, and you know, they're going to contaminate other players or where they got it from? Is it something going around? We talked about this on a previous episode of Behind the Mask too. The locker room, yes, is sacred, but things spread in a locker room. If somebody has a common cold, chances are people in that position, at least in the position room, are going to get it. If somebody has a, a stomach bug. Even people, the business. They even spread this. You know what I'm saying? The, the business, the rumors get spread. Night. You know what I'm saying? The rumors, what happened? You know what I'm saying? Things spread in the locker room. So imagine to, to, to get that phone call that time in the morning, two, something in the morning saying, you know, these amount of players tested positive, you have to cancel practice. But it goes back to another interview we had on Behind the Mask with Dr. Sumner and Dr. Spikes. They said this thing is not over. You know what yeah. I mean? This COVID-19 thing is not over. So how is this going to play out over the next 17 weeks after training camp, playoffs? If it's happening now and teams have to stop practice just to, to, to get ahead of what's going on, there's no bubble like the NBA. You can't do a bubble because you got 53-plus players. You're not... As the season goes on, guys are going to want to go out. Hell, we, we want to go out now. You but, know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know. We, ain't even... <laughs> <laughs> we, we, still doing, we still doing virtual uh, shows. You know what I'm saying? I, so, I know it. I, I hate that, too, because I ain't nothing like being in the presence of greatness with yeah. other guys, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, man. So, yeah, yeah. But, but hold on. I didn't finish. But you still the coach, though, and you got to take this <laughs> off. So you don't move everything around. Changed everything, and so now they hit you back and tell you, you know what, false positive. This is what the company Bioactive did for the NFL because the NFL contracted them out, company based out of Jersey. And so they called all the teams and just said, hey, all of the 77 tests that we saw that was 
we took from you guys, they were false positives. So I guess it's a blessing to see that the guys don't. They made it was a mistake, but it's bad. It's bad for the hopes of the game. It's bad for the fans of the game. It's bad for the guys because that's the worst emotional roller coaster. I guess the, the, the big question is, do you see this a good drill? Meaning, I mean that from a facetious standpoint, but this really could happen to your point. Like you said earlier, guys are going to go out, not saying that they're not protected by the mask, but they're going to go out and eat places, pick up food for their families. And chances are, if somebody comes down with it, which is a chance, how do you get that next player in line? So that's why I ask, is it a a good drill for the team to really understand and get protocol down? Oh, yeah, I think for what they've done, which was a lot of the teams canceled practice, and obviously they started to get into quarantining these players that had the positives uh, that turned out to be false positives. It was a good drill for them. It's like a fire drill. You know what I'm saying? You hope you never have to go through it, but you got to deal with it anyway in the event of. So it's going to happen later on down down uh, down the year, down the season, in the fall, when, when the flu season starts. You know what I'm saying? Again, when guys decide to go out, you're not going to be able to keep 40-some-odd guys uh, players on the team, executives, uh, staff members, administrators, you're not, no way possible that you can keep everybody quarantined for the next four months. It's just not happening. Um, it's good that, I, I guess that's the positive that it happened, and it was a false positive, but you know, like I know, Spicer, we get a false positive on any drug test, any test of substance abuse, uh, performance-enhancing drugs, it ain't no, oh, my bad. You know what I'm saying? You're still getting fired, fired or, or whatever it might be put in the system. So, but you know what, though? This is another thing that, were, uh, that we really haven't addressed. And I just, it's actually just popped in my mind. We know football is a repetitive sport, not mm-hmm. meaning that you won't play several times throughout the week, but it's a repetitive every day with what you do, but you're just different. You're covering a different aspect of the game. And so, while you're covering that different aspect of the game, if some guys happen to miss practice, if some guys are out for at least 14 days. So now how does that really play into your numbers account when you only have X amount of guys active who can actually play? Sometimes teams may go into these games with no, with probably just one backup quarterback or no backup quarterback, just taking into account the history of the quarterback. So I think from a scheduling standpoint, I think from a, a player just being prepared. And for me, the more I, I look at it, and even talk to some of the guys who we had here on Behind the Mask podcast show, uh, Carlos Dunlap. You know, he was just like, camp is, 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 camp is different. It's like Fort Knox whenever you go anywhere, and they're making sure everybody is staying safe. And so at the same time, they're still getting the same amount of work in. So, like, when I look at that overall, bro, it's like it's, it's, it's definitely puts a big priority on the player taking ownership. Yeah, they got to take care of themselves, take ownership. But Spice, you, you tell me, we were in Buffalo together, right? Yeah. Buffalo doesn't have a, a lot to do socially outside of going up to Toronto. You know, maybe getting some wings and, you know, small, smaller things. So you mean to tell me over the course of a whole football season, you're not going to go out once? You're not going to test the waters one time on your bye week? What you going to do, stay at the house chilling? Absolutely. Think about that. On, yeah. on, on, on their bye weeks, everybody goes home for a couple of days and sees their family, checks on their house or the main house they live in. So you're doing all of this. How are you going to really prevent and keep the numbers down or keep the chances, uh, the odds of catching COVID down with so many players? 
the uncertainty is what scares me. Um, you only hope that these guys take care of themselves, but it's, it's, it's possible, but I think it's highly improbable that this is not going to recur sometime during the football season. Yeah, but I, I will say this, and we said it when basketball first started back up, uh, the, the advantage I would say from an informational and data standpoint that the NFL has over the other leagues is they get an opportunity to see what worked and what did not work and what, what, what are the hypotheticals. Then now they came in and previously I'm pretty sure maybe some guys have had maybe had COVID. I don't know, but I haven't, I can't recall even hearing about it being blown out in certain locker rooms. So that's a good sign knowing that what they've done in the past to get to this point, but they got to fix those tests. Cause that's, that is complete like BS. <laughs> yeah, man, that ain't going to work. And my man, again, putting the GM hat on, putting the coach hat on, the former player hat on to are you going out between August and December or January? Uh, are you are you, are you staying on curfew? What you gonna do? Put the players in curfew every single night for four months? Really? That's what we doing? Listen, make bro. sure they don't go out. Listen, I listen. I'm telling you, I'm not <laughs> you in the streets. <laughs> no, I'm not in the streets. I'm, I'm gonna tell you because I'm not finna blow the bag over that. Let me tell you what I would do for not how, being in the streets. How you going to find me when I'm off work? You can't find me when I'm off work, really? No, I ain't saying that. But most of the time, too, guys usually go out. All right, they do go out on Friday. I was a victim of that. Shout yeah. out to my boy CP. CP that time in Denver. <laughs> he, he went out. But uh, no, you won't go out. But what is the objective of going out? Have fun, decompress, get away from the routine. Well, why can't you just do that at some other guys' homes? You can. I mean, again, it's possible, but it's highly improbable. Some guys might be married. What you want to get ain't over there. Some guys might have kids. Some guys might, you know, we can kick it, but that don't mean we're going to be over each other's house every day just to get out the house. Hell, we don't do that. You tell me all the time, pull up. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But – all I'm saying is, is this. They go out to camaraderie, have a good time, yeah. holler at some chicks. Decompress, yeah. Decompress. I get it. We can do that. We can go find a house. We can go rent a house. We can, and I ain't even speaking in like, well, this is a unicorn statement. No, this is real. You got, everybody ain't married. Yeah. And like, you know, you find people home that you go to, be like, hey, look, this is what we don't do. If you got a lady friend, Listen, man, them dudes are taking, if they even test positive, they got to take two tests before coming back. And those tests will report less than 24 hours, within hours, maybe even a few hours. So they can take half those tests at the house, the PCRs, and be like, look, if you bring somebody over here that's not your significant other, she got to take a test and make her sit in this room for a couple of hours. You do too because you was with her. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's plenty of ways you can get creative and enjoy each other's company. 1,500 players fights going to do that? Really? Hey, that ain't man, my responsibility. Look, I'm, I'm, looking out, <laughs> I'm looking out for me. I'm good, and she good, and we good. <laughs> All right, man. It's, it's wishful thinking. I just don't see it happening, man. That's just my stance on it. I've been that way from day one. I really don't see it happening. I hope that these guys stay healthy. But just from my experience being in the league, stories I've been through, heard, uh, seeing people telling me this, that, the third, 
I just don't see it happening, man. I hope they stay safe, but honestly, well, somebody's, unfortunately, somebody's going to contract this moving on. That's the sad part. Well, you know what? Well, we don't hope not because we, yeah. we need to have plenty to talk about during this time of the year, man. Facts, facts. But until the meantime, man, too, and all of our followers out there, have a cold to dope beverage, be that's responsible, good. and enjoy your evening. And make sure you subscribe to Behind the Mask Podcast or else I'm going to come see you. The 300-pound ninja. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.